When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hello, and welcome to the 100th episode. That's right. Hip Hop Saved My Life, episode 100. Only taken us, what, the best part of five years. Most podcasts achieve that within their first year because those people have a work ethic. Um, I hope the lockdown is treating you all right. Um, I'm finding it quite stressful. Um... I sort of don't know whether to work a lot and then get anxious about not spending enough time with my family or not doing any work uh, and then getting anxious about falling behind. I guess the correct answer, as, I've, as I'm saying it out loud, is to do something in between. I mean, it's, it's so fucking obvious, isn't it? Um, anyway, welcome to another lockdown episode of uh, Hip Hop Saved My Life. As I said, the 100th episode, and it's a very special one. It's with Jaguar Skills. Now, Jaguar Skills is one of my favourite... DJ is absolutely amazing. If you haven't checked out any of his stuff, please make sure you do. And he is doing an incredible project where every week he's putting out a podcast that is a week... Can you hear my kids screaming playing Fortnite? Anyway, if you can't, that just makes me sound mad. But anyway, Jaguar Skills is doing a podcast every week and each week is an hour-long mix of a different year in hip-hop's history. And he takes it down from the sample, original sample, all the way up to the actual finished track and it's obviously taking him ages you could, when you listen to it you think this must have taken absolutely ages and he's done it for every year of hip hop and it's given him uh, an insight into the skills of different hip hop producers and also the trends throughout the years and so I would say that this is an episode for the nerds um, if you're a production nerd and even if you're not if you've just got a vague interest in the production of hip hop I think this one you'll like this and so much so that we're going to do a second episode it's um, it's also it's the first time that Jaguar Skills has ever done an interview like this so unless you're a mate of his this is going to be the first time you've ever heard his voice so uh, enjoy that not a great episode for me I'll be honest with you it's mainly just me going oh really that's amazing <laughs> um, that's what I tend to do when I'm kind of I guess I guess I geeked out a little bit anyway enjoy the 100th episode of Hip Hop Saved My Life with the one and only Jaguar Skills. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Now sit back because it's time for the podcast. Okay, welcome to Hip Hop Saved My Life. Uh, this is another episode that uh well we're recording on lockdown for obvious reasons because we are on lockdown and uh i am delighted to say obviously normally during this bit i do a little bit of banter with rupert rupert's not here so i'm going to just go straight into introducing our guest i think this guy's one of the best djs in the world i'm a huge fan of his and this is a very rare thing that's happening now because we are about to hear you are about to hear from the legend that is jaguar skills hello sir hey how you doing I do about that. Yeah. <laughs> what is the situation with this? Because do you do interviews or have you done interviews? What? No, I, I've never done any. The, the, the whole thing was that I wasn't going to ever talk. And so, <laughs> you know, you know, I like Daft Punk and all of those dudes. That, you know what? It was never designed like that. But I just figured out that, you know what? You, I don't need to talk. Like, what? Well, I don't need to say anything. Um, but that's gone on for like 15 years or whatever now. So, I might as well talk now, as we're all in lockdown. So what, is it, <laughs> and it's the oh, is it the lockdown? Is, <laughs> is it the lock? Is it the lockdown that's basically triggered you deciding to actually chat? Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically no, no. It's because you've asked me, man, and I'm a, I'm yeah. a and, and I'm a big fan of yours as well. And it's I don't know. It seems to make sense. Plus, 
we're going to be talking about hip hop, and that's why yes. I'm like talking about rather than why um, why I wear a mask or anything like that. Well, what I wanted to ask you straight, like, because <laughs> look straight away, you are currently in the middle of putting out the most amazing project. For, for, as a hip hop fan, yeah. it's an incredible thing you're doing. Do you want to break down what what exactly yeah. it is you're doing? Well. I wanted to bring out and I wanted to put out some podcasts and some mixes, right? And I've been putting out mixes for like um, for years, and I yeah. think I've, I think I've done probably every combination of any any sort of theme or style or music style or yeah. you know. And um, I wanted to put something out that was that kind of didn't age, that meant something to me that is put together by somebody who kind of really understands and loves the what it is and what it is is hip hop and that's what kind of got me into music in the first place and i yeah. thought i kind of well it kind of evolved but i kind of wanted to do an almost academic piece of of hip hop that is done properly you know it's not like the top 40 basically it's every yeah. year i'm putting out a podcast every week for every year in hip hop and there's 41 so, so, hour podcasts. <laughs> I'm mixing the entirety of hip hop, everything. Yeah. Once it's, a week. It's it's insane. Plus um, the breaks as well, man. That's the other thing. It's the breaks as well. So I'm mixing in the samples that they sampled and then transitioning. Yeah, because I think it's at the, at the beginning of the 2001. Is it where, is it Apollo Kids? You start with the break for that before... Yeah, uh, Ghost starts rapping or whatever, and right. it's so great to hear that that break. Before I don't know, it's such a it, like as a hip hop as a hip hop fan, it's like a wet dream essentially. Do you know what I mean, it's like yeah. amazing. Well, that's the thing. That's <laughs> the thing that got me into hip hop in the first place. Well, that's one of the things that excited me about hip hop back in the day was like yeah. me finding a, the break that they sampled. That yeah. was the thing. That's the that is the real nerd nugget. You know that yeah. you had to go to the record and tape exchange. You had to go to uh, you know charity shop. You had to find your your friend's uncle's record collection and find it in that. You, you know what I mean? And and just the discovery of that, I wanted to put into a mix somehow and and do it so it's almost it's almost like you're learning how they made it. You know what I mean? But not intentionally and not in a, not in a kind of dickish nerdy way. It's just I want to do it yeah. vibe, pure vibes and not also like and also not have um so many jingles or uh or you know or radio idents and, and all that kind of shit i wanted something where you could put on from like now until you know 10 years time and that is the historical piece of hip hop that was that year you know How long is it taking you to put this together? 41 you did you it's 41 episodes 40. that's 41 mixes 40, sorry, 40, yeah. 40 mixes. Yeah. How long did it take you to put that together? See, the, see, I did a mix back in the day. How yeah. people kind of seemed, that's kind of my first big thing, I guess, was that I mixed 600 records in 60 minutes. Yeah. And it was the history of hip hop in 60 minutes. Yeah. And it was the first time, I think, that anyone had kind of attempted that or done that kind of super quick mixing. Like like two bars at a time, yeah. and it. I, I just did that as an experiment, really. But then I made it into a mix, and then I put it online, and it got downloaded like four million times or something in like in like a week. So, and then MTV wrote about it, and it was like this mad thing. And so I already already had that kind of hip hop historical uh, thing going on in the back of my mind but then I wanted to put out these pod some podcasts and I was thinking I, I don't know really what to do so I, I thought shit you could actually do it you know you could actually fucking make a, a podcast that's one hour and then have a, that year of hip hop and you could do 40 of them and it would be mental and then you could do all the artwork because I do all my artwork as well so I work with some artists but I, I do all the design work so I was thinking about graphically as well it's all packaged beautifully man I mean right. it's like a proper thing isn't it yeah and I really wanted to think about every element. And then, so I started working on it about six months ago. Right. And it took me about two months to get the track listings together even. Because, you know, like going into like 1983. How about 1983? Let's do an hour of 1983. It's like, fuck, man. I don't really know. <laughs> I know some. But I don't know like yeah. Kevin Kev, Waterbed Kev. Do you know him? 
Do you know what? No, no. no I, I no. never heard of Waterbed Kev. And and so like he's got a tune. So yeah, <laughs> from '83. <laughs> yeah. And so like to to do that, that was the first kind of point. Do all of that research. So that took me a couple of months, and then starting it, just the kind of mental attitude you have to apply when you're starting the history of hip hop first track, you know, on the year 1970, you know, 1979. It's, just, it, yeah. it's mental, man, that I'm even doing it. But I've, I've managed to do pretty much all of it now. And um, it's, it's, the response has been great, man. And and um, mm. it, I, I feel it's like my best work, for sure. Oh, mate, it's it's unbelievable. And like, it, it's, it's just so good what you're doing. But I, I'll tell you a story. So on, on my tour, I spoke to you just before my tour started. And I said, look, I want, uh, I'm after a hip hop mix to play when the audience are coming in. Would you be up for doing it? Right. And you said yes. And obviously, I was delighted that you said yes. What I didn't expect was the level of meticulousness that you go to to make that thing as like you don't you don't half-ass anything do you like, no. like the, the level of detail in that mix is in, it's like honestly it felt to me like that was a commercially that was something for commercial release you know what I mean that the quality right. of what you've done and the details and all that yeah. and obviously we're doing this podcast you've got that's a lot of effort what is your motivation for doing that are you just driven by the fact are you just a workaholic madman or something i mean what's the what's the drive behind that see i come from the hip from when when i started really getting into hip-hop and the music and everything there was albums out that were fucking amazing man yeah and like i'm talking three feet high and rising it takes a nation of millions to hold us back um you know low-end theory midnight marauders and um all the della soul albums prince paul you know and, and dr dre you listen to a dr dre record now yeah. And it still sounds as fresh as it did 25 years ago, right? Yeah. It's because they made it really well. Right. When you make something really well and you spend a lot of time, it, it lasts forever. And I always wanted to do that. I knew, I know, I always knew that what I did was kind of throw away, like in a way, it's a throwaway little thing. You put a mix on in the background and you, and you um, just walk, you know, you do your, you do your thing and then you do the next mix and it carries on. Yeah. But, I wanted to make something. I, I tried to make something as good as the skits that I hear on uh, Dr. Dre albums or, or or Tribe Called Quest albums or De La Soul albums. And it, isn't it great when you listen to a record and you, you hear something new for the first time and you've heard that tune a hundred thousand times before? That, that Oh, mate, it's... it's, it's... Isn't it's amazing yeah it is so, and I think that happens that happens musically as well as lyrically you know when you suddenly get a bar yes. you suddenly understand a metaphor that you right. hadn't you, you hadn't clocked before like it's it feels amazing when that happens right? yeah it, no exactly so that's what I kind of wanted to do or that's what I tried to do with my my work is that um, I want repeated listening right and I right. want you to really get it and if you like what I'm doing, then you will hear stuff that I've put in that you might not have heard a hundred times, you know, like since. I just want to do it so it lasts, really. And yeah. I am yeah. a perfectionist when it comes down to certain things, but I do know that after I finished it, it's out forever then, and I can't do anything. And so I, I might as well have done my best. And especially now, you know, I don't know, man, the future of, of my profession anymore right yeah yeah. really it's like what are you doing this for and i'm doing this i started doing this by making tapes for my friends we used to sit in a car and we used to put it on a shit sound system and smoke some weed and listen to uh some hip-hop and the look on their faces when i'd I'd have got a tune that they liked or they that community that's what it is and that's what i'm doing it for now it's just reverted right back to the beginning whereas all i'm literally doing this for the love of hip-hop and what got me into music and hopefully me adding all the breaks and all, all of this thing i'm showing you everything that i learned from hip-hop as well so mm. the more i make them i'm finishing them off i'm just doing it strictly for the the love and the kind of documentation of it and, and i and i hope that uh and then it comes through as well you know when you listen to it yeah mate it's, it's so good Obviously, you're a hip hop head and you know your stuff, but you right. you don't just DJ hip hop, do you? No, or, you know pre apocalypse, you didn't just DJ hip hop. Pre apocalypse, BC. Yeah, I got really upset with hip hop at a certain time. Right, and I thought this isn't what it's about. 
This is. Do you shit. remember what? Do you, was it a specific record or was it an era or what? Uh, yeah, what was yeah. It, that it was certain eras. I always didn't want to be. See, when I first started, I was a journalist, man. I was a hip hop journalist, right. and I published a couple yeah. of hip hop magazines. So yeah. in the nineties, I was like the guy, man. The influence of the hip hop influence, and I had mad tapes of like, I had like Illmatic on tape sent to me from the studio. Right, really? that's, how, that's how mad it was. So I was walking around with a bag of tapes. Right, they all the old heads used to go, man, this the hip hop shit now. I, you know, it's not Big Daddy Kane or Rakim anymore. It's this like Della Soul and Triumph called Credit. This is shit. What the hell's this? So people, is that how people were reacting to that then? Yes. Uh, right, it's, right. It's so you had, mad, isn't it? yeah. So you had people who were into Rakim, yeah. Big Daddy Kane, um, and what else were they into? Public Enemy, of course, yeah. BDP and KRS One, and people like this, yeah. Georgie Rap, Juice Crew, and then yeah. then De La Soul arrived, and Brand Nubian, and all these other groups. But De La Soul specifically, they had some real problem because it was like suddenly comedy rap almost. <laughs> But yeah, well, it was such a it was such a change, wasn't it? When Dallas yeah. so the whole image and the vibe and everything was different. Wasn't it? But it was amazing, though. It was like it, that was the thing oh, that yeah. got me. It was like honestly, three feet high and rising when they started it with a game show. Yeah. Hey, all you kids out there! Welcome to Three Feet High and Rising. Now, here's what we do: the following contestants. How are you doing, contestants? All right. So, fellas. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Contestant number one. How you doing, Al? Just came all the way down from Wichita. I, and then you, you, could, you could cut out the, the tape. There was a proof of purchase, and you'd send it to this weird address, and then you'd get something. <laughs> there was a comic book in it. And one of the tunes was transmitting live from Mars, where it was, yeah. uh, they were cutting up a French record saying, Akute, a midi. And it was like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was the funniest shit. And, and, and to me, that was like where I was at, because uh, my dad was a record producer. And he had this ridiculous record collection, man, like uh, 100,000 records in the house. It was like a record store. So to be able to draw the breaks and samples from my dad's collection was just amazing. You know, yeah. but you know, people were cussing Della Soul, man, and and uh, yeah, yeah, and Tribe Called Quest. It was like kind of jazzy and a bit kind of soft, you know, soft, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I listened to these records back, and they sound great. But at the time, I fucking hated DMX and Rough Riders and all of that shit. Right. Even I didn't really like the Chronic. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, do you know what? I, I I was like, I was a bit like that as well. But what what myself? Why didn't you like it? Why didn't you like it? Because I hated the tune "Funky Worm" by Ohio Players. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. I hated that. I hated that. And uh, it seemed like the whole album was like a reconstruction of that kind of and yeah yeah didn't like it man <laughs> but but it's great now you know it's amazing yeah I, I tell you what really broke my heart is when i first heard i remember going to deal real records going down into the basement and there was the pete there i think and he was like uh check this out it's nas's new record i'm like what and he just fitted like um illmatic you know the illmatic period it's his new album it's like holy shit i didn't even know like so it goes down he puts it on and it was if, if i rule the world right yeah i, I felt like crying oh well, no. i was staring at the record like no Imagine smoking weed in the street without cops harassing. Imagine going to court with no trial. Lifestyle cruising blue Bahama waters. No welfare supporters. More conscious of the way we raise our daughters. Days are shorter, nights are colder. Feeling like life is over. These snakes strike like a cobra. The world's hot, my son got knocked. Evidently, it's elementary. They want us all gone eventually. Trooping out of state. And then, and then it all started. I mean, that's so long ago, but it all started kind of falling apart around then for me. No, but mate, I, I, I think a lot of people had that experience with that single so excited about hearing the new Nas and then you're just like what the fuck is this man it was like you forget now because of what he's done since do you know what I mean and you sort of you go well you don't know the Nas you don't know what Nas is going to turn up you know in a way right, right. But, but that was the first time because bearing in mind we'd only heard Illmatic before that right yeah no you're right I got this tape I, I, I and as well I had these tapes right so I got the um, these demo tapes Right, which actually turned into the lost tapes, right? Right. That they released. But I had this tape where it had those tracks on it, right? Right. And I was could not wait to get it on CD and vinyl. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could not wait. There was this tune called Life is Like a Dice Game. That's so amazing. Yeah. There's one called No Original, I think. There's a couple of other ones. I'm fucking amazing. I never knock a brother. I'm anti-jail for real. Smooth criminal skill. Locked in a human flesh shell. Watching niggas get rich beside me. Pushing a 5 why me. Up in the passenger seat. But I see me as Holly Selassie in my kingdom. Sipping Asti Spumanti. Drifting reality kicks in. I need the papes to start clicking. Gotta connect out in Richmond. Hey, nigga in the fam a pitching. It's on. Popper was a player. I remember I love that chain. And there's loads of, that, that, there's loads of great chains. Yeah. yeah, so I walked down to this record store and I was like, shit, I haven't heard this one because i got this tape. Yeah. I haven't heard this one. Oh my God, this wasn't on there. Let, let's go. And it was the worst tune I'd ever heard. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> now it's great though, isn't it? When you listen to it, it's like, yeah, I get it. It's all retro. I get it. It's like the 80s. Yeah. The 80s yeah. Like he's bringing back yeah. whatever the fuck, like uh, Curtis Blow, Wicked. Yeah. But yeah. I, I wasn't there th- at that point. And and it was this was some this was some bullshit to me, but you know. Yeah, I think a lot of people felt like. But almost it was like uh, <laughs> when when I first went to watch Phantom Menace, and right. I was sitting there going, I think this might be shit, but it it can't be because it's Star Wars. I know. Like, it was that's that's how it was like with that Nas record. I was going, I don't think I like this, but I mu- I must like it oh. because it's Nas and he's amazing. You know so what? there must be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm tired. I don't know. It's like you just start. That's why I feel a bit like the J, the J Electronica album. That's how I feel about that. You're not feeling that album, are you? Not at all. So go. On. What's the, what's the, what? only because I think like I don't know whether he can really make beats, and that yeah, what he's done something really clever where he's made this really good beat. And then he's deconstructed the shit out of it. And then he's put it right. through all this shit and fuzzy stuff. And then he's put it off beat. And then, because it's so, because he's so far ahead and it's so abstract and, he, and he's tweaking it so much. Or that he just can't make beats. And, <laughs> and it's either, it's either that to me. And, and it's like either you can't make beats and these yeah. are really shit beats. Right. Or are these good beats? And I don't know. And is this way ahead of my shit? I know he's, he's an amazing lyricist. And yeah, I mean, his, his rapping, his, the his best man, he's the best. Oh man. my god, it's unbelievable, right? right? It's just like Nas, isn't it? But like a really twisted, yeah. weird version of it. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, sorry, I didn't get it, you know. And and like, I listened to it once, and the, and the one tune that I did like was like a sample of uh, the same sample that they used for CL Smooth One in a Million, and yeah. it's Shiny Suit Theory, and that came out a, a while ago as well. And and yeah, I know, I and know. I'm like, I don't know. Like you're supposed to spit it for the culture. Pay no attention to the critics and the vultures. They rather have a shot of Belvy just to spite you. They cast the judgments because they feel they got the right to. Fuck them. I let the dice roll like the father did. I gotta shine, it's in my blood. I'm a Harlem kid. I treat my babies right, treat my ladies ladylike. Hit them with a remix to make sure that they play me twice. With a lot of hip hop nowadays, I'm not in that position to judge whether it's good or not, to be honest. And so I what, can't. What, let why it. do you mean? What do you mean by that? Because it's, it's for young. It's for kids. It's for kids. Right, 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 right. I like a kids thing. You know, I like t- like watching Teen Titans Go with my boy. We love that. No, oh, what that isn't it? What a show, by the way. That is just everything to me, right? <laughs> my yeah. son, right? Yeah. And I like Robin. I think the character of Robin in that is just amazing, and all the characters just great, right? But they yeah. they made something that I can watch and my son can watch and it's that's what it's and it's brilliant, right? Yeah. It's very clever, yeah. right? Um I wish hip hop was like that, you know? Because right now there's a lot of stuff that I hear and it's shit, man. And uh I don't know if I should force myself because I love hip hop so much to pretend that I like it or right. or then I think, well, you know what? That's not for me, man. It's not for me. I'm too old for this. So I can I can I can view it as a kind of weird, uh, well as a kind of music historian. I can take and a DJ. I can take my mind out of it and I can play it and I can understand music in that respect. That oh shit! I can I have to, you know, this tune's gonna really smash the club. So I'm now gonna play this and do a little remix yeah. of it. And I don't mind playing it because it it does what it says. It, it, right. that's the whole reason why I'm playing it is to rock the club. I'm not gonna listen to it at home. But really. For the substance, there's nothing. There's nothing anymore. And 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 I I always wonder, like, what would like Chuck D and people like like 
when I was coming up, it was really like heavy, the music, and it was really um, layered and really thought out and intelligently produced and uh, re- re- really well made. And then mm. nowadays, when somebody's putting something on a on the SoundCloud and they've just mixed it in their house and it's over a, a generic beat and there isn't anything more, you know, there was this thing called uh, biting back in the day. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, everybody had to sound different. Yeah. You had to, because if you sounded anything like anyone else, you'd be biting their style and no one would listen to you. And that was it. Yeah. Of the end of your career. And somehow it got homogenized somehow, I think around the kind of puffy era. Yeah. And, and, uh, and now everything sounds the same. Um, the, the kind of mainly commercial kind of stuff, popular stuff, you know, it sounds really similar, yeah. doesn't it? And, yeah, um, it does. It, it's more yeah. homogenous than it feels like it used to be, certainly. Yeah. yeah. So that's my that's my only thing, but I used to be semi afraid to think, yeah, that's shit because it's hip hop and I need to view it in a way, you know, it's it's the culture, (laughs) but it's not shit to me. Sorry, it's that shit to me, and uh, you know, little fucking little flute or whatever the I don't know, (laughs) little whatever, (laughs) is not happening. And and with a tattoo on your face and doing your shit, you're like a weird '80s Joker criminal from a kind of middling Batman movie. But is there is there any of that that you listen to and you go, is there is there different degrees of it not being for you? Like for example, yeah, is there right. stuff that you listen to and you think that's good? I don't like it. It doesn't connect with me. Right. But I understand that there's a craft to that, and yeah, I yeah. get what they're doing. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. don't like it. Once I got off my shit, like sometimes I'm, I'm yeah. thinking, right, no, right. Let me do. Let me let me properly check this shit out. And plus, when yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm making these podcasts, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through like 2016 and get right. the, all this shit. I'm gonna fucking make it. Yeah. Uh, but there's a few, and the, the, the fucked up thing is I can't even think of their names, man. You know, and I listen to all the club records, of course, still. Yeah. But man doing this hip-hop podcast that this show i'm doing and going back and seeing the levels i'm i'm honestly feeling that if kendrick lamar and j cole were back in the 90s they'd be a bit like the (laughs) fooshnikins you know what i'm saying yeah yeah. they would be like oh j cole okay he's got the j cole and now we've got the big cap album then we've got the fucking uh you know boogie monsters (laughs) And then they've, uh, oh yeah, that's good. And they've got uh, some weird souls of mischief, um, like casual, casual sound, wicked. We've got him and they've got uh, Kendrick Lamar, wicked. I don't think that they would have the uh, impact if they were in the 90s. I know what you're saying, I know what you're saying. Like when Cool G Rap was totally there. Yeah. My God, it's like a Scorsese movie. Yeah, yeah. Just the different, like Big Daddy Kane, like LL Cool J, Murdergram, or Mama Said Knock You Out, or uh, mm. or even Public Enemy stuff. Like that shit was like, mar- like massive blockbuster Marvel movies coming out for me. You know, like that or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was a much bigger deal, wasn't it? Obviously. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That was the interesting thing doing this, like this show I'm doing, finding out that actually... You know, maybe it's it's obviously it's good, great that they're doing because Kendrick Lamar and J Cole is is, is amazing. But like, it's, and do you like do you like those guys? I mean, are you a fan? Or... I I I got I've got into them from doing these things. 
Right, right, right. Okay. Um, I love the way that Kendrick's music is uh, really quite avant-garde and odd. You yeah. know, beats that he picks are quite weird. Uh, and when I wake up, I recognize you looking at me for the pay cut. Bahamas, I'll be looking at you from the face down. One Mac 11 even boom with the bass down. Skimming, and let me tell you about my life. Painkillers only put me in a twilight. We're pretty pussy and Benjamin is the highlight. I tell my mama I love her, but this is what I like. Lord knows. 20 of them in my Chevy, tell them all to come and get me. Reaping everything I sow. So my karma come in heaven, no preliminary hearings on my record. I'm a motherfucking gangster in silence for the record. Uh. It occurs to me that the guys who really make solid hip-hop are the guys who know the hip-hop history. And hip-hop history is something that, right now, the kids just could not give a shit about. And do you think that's a new thing? I mean, do you not... There's a, I mean, there's an argument that you're supposed to not give a shit about what came before you, right? So you can do something hip-hop, new. Hip-hop's different, man. Hip-hop's different. You'd have a look at the album covers and everyone would shout it out. It was like, it was like important for you to know the tunes. Yeah, you know, you're yeah, in a club. Yeah. Like back in the day, you'd go to the. Uh, I used to go to the Hop and Scratch, and uh, to be part of the community, you need to know all the songs. It's important. Yeah, and it's not now, and I don't, and I don't mind it in a way because it's a, it's a young guy's game. Hmm. But at the same time, the good guys, the ones that you resonate that everybody seems to like, are the guys who really know the history, and they can yeah. talk about yeah. Q-tip and, and they really love that music and they're not scared to go back into the vaults because it's so amazing man doing this project has just really opened it's it's so amazing the hip-hop and it's a shame that it gets lost in a certain era and, it, and you can't listen to it again like maybe the like reggae DJs you know Rodigan yeah. he plays the new shit but then he plays the old shit and he tells you about the old shit and it makes you feel yeah. like oh god this is cool this is some old shit this is some really cool old shit you do that in a hip hop yeah. club you, you, you get kicked off <laughs> like I, I went to I did this gig the I did this gig and the promoter was like yeah I go what do you want me to play and he goes hip hop I'm like wicked he goes old school hip hop I go really he goes yeah just old stuff and he goes one request I'm like what he goes don't play any shit so I'm like right oh this is yeah. great so I go to the club yeah. and he goes just strictly old school I'm like alright then and I first record I put on was a Tribe Called Quest record award right. tour I think award yeah. tour banger banger absolute banger people give you ears so I be sublime it's enjoyable to know you in the concubines niggas take off your coats ladies act like gems sit down Indian styles you recite these hymns see lyrically I'm Mario Andretti on the Momo ludicrously speedy or with the slow-mo heard me in the 80s jv's on the promo him i never in the quest to get the paper on the caper but now let me take it to yeah let's go award tour nothing uh played uh played um oh some other shit nothing played some other shit i played uh all about the benjamins nothing i played uh some biggie smalls nothing and then the promoter ran over he goes what the fuck are you doing and i went what and he goes old school man what the fuck is this what the fuck is this and I'm like, what do you mean old school? What do we what is old school? He got some old Drake stuff, you know, like um <laughs> like some old like fucking hell, I don't know. You're the DJ, some Drake, play some Drake. <laughs> so then it was like, oh, just tunes. You just want hip hop. Uh, you just want like you just want some fucking hip hop shit. Like And then I spoke to MK afterwards. I was like, yeah. I go, MK man, I've done a hip hop gig. Yeah. He was like wicked. And I go, and then you know what the promoting? I go, I go, I flopped it, totally flopped it. And he goes, uh, what, what did you play? And I go, well, he asked me to play some old school stuff. And then the reply was, he goes, you didn't play any old school stuff, did you? <laughs> and I went, and I went, yeah. And he goes, like what? Question mark, exclamation mark. I was like, tribe called Quest. And then there was all these laughing emojis. Ah, I'm like, uh, he goes, when the promoter asks you old school, you never play old school. It's the fucking rule. And I went, yeah, no. No, no, that's amazing yeah but like really playing Biggie Smalls that's 25 years old man you know that's pretty I know yeah. it's really old but but also the idea <laughs> that a Biggie record would be received with indifference I find it incredible yeah. but obviously that's the case you know what I mean like you can't but this it guy was going is, crazy man this guy was going bananas like uh, <laughs> it was his face as well the funny thing is as well when I wear a mask right so I wear a mask yeah. So no one knows what I look like. So and also you don't know whether I'm smiling or frowning or whatever. Yeah. You just see my eyes. And so 
people always get like, like, hey, and I'm smiling. Oh, no, it's all right, mate. And he was getting more and more aggressive. And I was like, look, chill. And I kind of wanted to like, look, I'm smiling. Look, it's my face. It's all right. It's all good. I changed to fucking your old school Drake records and Rick Ross records. Let's go really old school. Does anyone know this one? Let's play Jump Around. How about that one? That's fucking 30 years old. Uh, that's bad, man. From doing it year on year, like for each year, are you? No- did you notice, I don't know, you must have noticed trends, you must have noticed a change in quali- quality oh, it, of stuff? Or- it's fascinating. For a hip-hop, for me, even making it, yeah. it's it's amazing. It's you can pinpoint the exact places where everything changed, where where the guys and and it's really interesting to see uh, who they were actually because some of them aren't mm. the ones you think. There's some producers there that I thought were okay. Now I think they're amazing because I've deconstructed what they did with the sample. Um, Is there anybody in particular that, or oh, anything in particular yeah, that sticks out yeah, in mind? Yeah. yeah, there's one really cool one, and there's one really obvious like one. But what he did with yeah. the sample has just changed my whole idea of it. So jump around, right? Yeah. How Mugs got that beat from what he used is is next level. Is are you serious? Is the most black belt sample move one of them? I mean, there's a bunch of them, but man, wow! It's basically this chubby checker record, right? Right. That if you heard it. You would want to turn. Firstly, you'd want to turn it off within ten seconds, right? But yeah. so that was the first thing. Some produ- some producers produce just the loop at the start. Some yeah. of them, like Premier, go for the end a lot. His shit's at the end. Right. Q-tip, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Q-tip really manipulates them a bit and puts them into three bars. But Jay Diller gets the the bit three quarters in that's almost silent that you have no idea you, you miss. That's how, he's the, he's the super Jedi, but Muggs got this chubby checker record, and it's like literally like it's like it's like mental, right? Really fast, it's really fast and yeah. old sounding shit. Yeah. And then he's used this chop of a of it and slowed it down, and he's pitched them, and the way that he's done it, I can only think that he sampled it in randomly one day and didn't have anything else to do or just chopped it up in a rant on his on his NPC and just was randomly hitting shit until it came because there's no way that you would hear that sample and go yeah yeah that's that's one of the biggest hip hop records of all time Into it, into it without. You don't, you said, do you think it, it, it's, it would have been impossible for him to hear that original record? Yeah, yeah, then... totally impossible. And that's what yeah. I'm going in like forensically now, like going back and going, yeah. no, there's no like detect Batman level going, no, that is no way. Like another one is Shook One's part two. Right. How the fuck did you do that even? I did it, I remade it, it took me like five hours constantly so, what, you're remaking it for what what's the what are you tr- is that just you trying to learn no no so on these on these podcasts right it goes from the sample to the hip-hop record but the sample yeah. transforms into the loop chopped up loop and then the beats go over the top and then the vocal and then it turns into the hip-hop record so in order to do that you have to basically go through the process that the producer went through when they put that record together yeah but area 51 ufo retroactive style um <laughs> way that's how you have to do it. So I have to yeah. find the fucking record first. Then I have to find the loop. Yeah. Then I have to hear their tune and go, okay, let's let's see how they did it. And try and work out how they've done it. That could take either 60 seconds or uh, seven de- or like a day, depending on what they've done. And then, so then you've got the chop of it all done. Then you've yeah. got the original record. Then you have to make the transition from that record to the break and to the hip hop record. So then it all seamlessly goes n- without you even recognizing it yeah. oh and then, now it's the hip-hop record but actually if you took the original break 
and you've seen what I've done to it, it won't, might not sound anything like it. I might have made it all the same speed as the hip hop record, and and then and then. Yeah. But, but I mean, uh, Shook Ones was five yeah. hours, and you know because Shook Ones goes, uh, it has the line, the, the kind of main sample line, and that sounds yeah. like a guitar. It sounds like somebody's yeah. twanging us down, 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 down. There's a little intro to this jazz record, right? So it's a one minute intro of this guy randomly hitting piano, like just going jazz, right? Going mad jazz. Then it starts fading out. And on that fade out, on that tiny fade out, is like four semi-recognizable notes that you kind of recognize <laughs> from somewhere. And you're thinking, is that, is that it? Yeah. And then what you need to do, you need to put the volume up real loud, then you need to time stretch each one, then you need to chop each one up, then you need to replay it, then you need to pitch one, one up and two down and keep one the same. Then you have to add static to it on the kick. So what I've been doing as well, this is the levels, I've been collecting different statics from records, like noises, and matching them to to the records. Jesus there's, um, there's this brand Nubian record, All For One, which I remade, and they added, I, I, I read somewhere that they added some static, and it was like, yeah, they did. So I added that, so I've soloed that on one bar just for some nerd to know, oh, she's he's actually done it. You know? Wow. <laughs> That's the process. That is doing mad, it. I'm doing it to pretty much every single great hip hop record that's ever made. And what and has that made you love hip hop more or less? Yes, much so much more. Right. Like I right now I was asked, you know, because everyone's streaming stuff right now. I've I've been asked to do a couple of them, which is really, really nice, but yeah. I, I can't listen to anything else right now apart from real music. Right. With substance that feeds my soul. And that is hip hop. And that is the history of it. And it's not just the commercial shit that I was really upset that I'm not upset. I lost all my love and connection with hip hop. I'm just playing these tunes, these dance records with guys rapping on them, saying ridiculous shit. I'm not even connecting to it like it's a hip hop record. But when I started mm. doing these podcasts, it's like all my memories of the, my 90s hip hop period. And when I would interview all these rappers before anyone knew who they were. So who are you? So who are these magazines that you're working well, for? I, all right, so, no, no I, I, they were mine. I published them. So there's this one magazine right. called Fat Boss, and it was quite big in the nineties. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I know Fat Boss. So that yeah, was that, your magazine. Yeah, okay, that, I, I didn't I even know that. that. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah, and I was also head hip hop writer for Blues and Soul magazine as well. Right, right, right. Uh, I wrote for the Source and uh, XXL and um, loads of people, man. But that was my but yeah. for Fat Boss was my one, and and with that. I guess it was the equivalent to having being an uh, you know a blog on uh, like a popping blog or something you know it's like it was bigger than a fanzine it was published and we, we it was distributed by timeout and we had actual big adverts and it was a proper deal but it was very underground still and uh, yeah and there wasn't many people interviewing you know uh, the alcoholics or whatever when they came to England yeah so you ended up meeting them they're fucking hanging. underrated by the way aren't they what a group yeah, exactly. It'd be, it'd be groups like that. But then it was like yeah. acts now that are massive that I managed to hang out all day with because no one, like, for instance, uh, I went sneaker shopping with Proof. Uh, really? Yeah, in Kensington and hung out with Eminem and just hung out yeah. with them. We're walking around talking shit. Uh, I was in the, went to D&D Studios and interviewed uh, Premier and he showed me how to, Guru, and he showed me how to make a beat and interviewed Biggie Smalls uh, in the hotel room and he fell asleep on me when I was interviewing him, which was just mental. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what happened? You, was he on his, he sat on his bed, was he? Yeah, 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 right. So I get in there yeah, and obviously he'd just flown in, right? Yeah. He's just flown in and he's doing a show that night. There's loads of journalists waiting. I'm one of them go in he's like yeah what's up and he's on the bed and what were you like with these people are you chilled out or are you getting are you fanboying at this stage and what's your what are you like well it changed that? from being super fanboy to being actually quite a, a weirdo uh, because <laughs> just because I figured that you don't know me either you know why am I getting what you know my thing was like okay so I'm nervous to see you right yeah. but you don't know who I am like I could be a yeah. fucking lunatic and I'm <laughs> hanging out with, uh, you know, I could like punch you. You don't know what the fuck I'm. You're letting this lunatic guy. And usually I was stoned out of my nut as well uh, the, 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 <laughs> half the time. So going in, 
And I was a real B-boy guy because I was really pissed off. You know, you'd have like, hi, there's Graham from uh, The Face magazine and he'd just be a twat, you know, and, uh, and he doesn't know about hip hop. The fuck's yeah. he interviewed? So I just, so I'd go in and I ended up asking mad ass questions to people just because like really weird ones. Like I met Jay-Z and I don't know why. Even thinking about it now, oh, God damn. All right, Jay-Z, yeah, word out, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you take a shit, do you look at it? And he goes, yeah, cool, man. Did he just play, did he just, did he react like that? Just didn't, yeah. even, didn't even care? Like, yeah, of course, man. Like, it was almost like, do you? I kind of, I felt that if I came into an interview and just kind of was really weird. Yeah. I was just like a kind of stoned English Napoleon Dynamite, I guess. But like, anyway, back to Biggie. So I'd go into, I went into the, just, uh, the room and he's there. Yeah. He was massive. <laughs> and he's Biggie Smalls as well. And I was friend, so I'm there looking at him. And then I said something like, uh, yeah, so yeah, your new record. Yeah, it's wicked, man. How did you get the fucking this name? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? What? Yeah, I got the thing. We were in the thing. We got in the studio. And then we did it. Oh, that's wicked. So like, <laughs> went so... So, so which you do? Were you in D and D studios when you did that? Yeah. Oh, cool. That's really cool. That studio, isn't it? It's like it's a real cool. It... <laughs> and the dude snoring, man. It was such a weird moment because, like, the Biggie Smalls is asleep in, in, on his bed, and you're just sitting there. Are you? Who else is in the room at this point? No one. Oh my god! So I guess I was sitting there for like I don't know ten seconds or some shit. And yeah. Then went to the door, opened it a bit. Yeah. And then the press officer was there, and I go, yeah, "Come here." I go, she goes, "What?" And I go, "Look, he's asleep." She goes, "Oh, all right then. Well, you, you should leave then, shouldn't you?" Yeah, yeah, I should. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> that was the end of it. Yes. They didn't ask. They weren't apologetic. Come back in. No, do another no, chat. no, no. He's no, asleep no. now. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, look, we'll get back to you if you've got your goodie bag or whatever, your T-shirt and your free hat, whatever. Yep, cool. Right, bye. Give us a call later. Yeah. Wow. Were you upset by that? No, that's much better than an interview. Right, right. Did you report that? Did that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You fell asleep, yeah. Yeah. I'd write that, yeah. (laughs) I had this mad one when uh, I got asked to interview Jay-Z, right? Yeah. And he was recording at Abbey Road Studios which was mental even, like, thinking like, but that yeah. was just around the corner from Blues and Soul office. Right. So, yeah, I popped down there, and it was around lunchtime, and I'd go in. Firstly, going into Abbey Road Studios was is just amazing. I went into the main studio, and it was Jay-Z and just the engineer, and they got this beat on. And he goes, yeah, sit down, right? So he's walking around, pacing up and down. I, I saw him writing the raps in his head, and he's just doing this. <laughs> like that I swear to God right so I'm not going to say anything he's yeah. walking past me and he's going to the end he comes up and he goes yeah yo, yo yeah alright ready let's go so he goes in and the booth is all glass and I can see him and the guy plays the tune and he goes uh, he does it right and it was for a Jada Kiss DMX or Ja Rule DMX and him I don't know what tune it is, right. but it's this tune, right? And yeah. he stutters and like fucks fucks up a bit. Yeah. So he goes, yo, yo, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I'll do it again. So he does it and he keeps the stutter bit in and changes the end bit. He hadn't written anything down. Yeah. Right, anyway, I asked him. I interview him, right? So we're sitting in the room straight after this. And he's sitting there. And I go, so what did you, why did you change that? He goes, well, I like the bit. He just told me he liked the bit that he, free, that there was freestyled and fucked up. He liked that bit, so he kept that in. He changed the end because he wanted to change the end lyrics. Wow. But remembering that as the, your brain. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. It's like, it was unbelievable, right? So I'm sitting there. So I'm about to ask him, how did he get into hip hop or something stupid like this? Right? I'm about to ask him. Yeah. The door opens. Dame Dash. Yo, Jay, we gotta go. And then he looks at me looks at me like, what the fuck? And I go, and I say to him, oh, come on, man, I just got here. Come on, for like five, ten minutes. And I don't know why I said it like, just like that. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Looks at me like, fuck you. Five minutes, five minutes, slams the door. 
right? So then I say to him, all right, so how did you get into it? And the door opens again. Leo Cohen comes in, right. who owns Def Jam. Yeah. Who's this legendary record guy? He's a massive big dude, right? He's about eight foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> and he was wearing this thing. He comes in and he sits next to me, really close, like almost on my lap. Like so close that his bum's like really in. He's right next to me. He puts his arm around my neck. He puts his watch in front of my face, right in front of my face, and goes, You got five minutes. What, what is Jay-Z's reaction to this? I assume he's seen shit like this before. He goes, yo, you know who that is? I go, yes. And he goes, that's the biggest player I know. Sorry about my shit American Jay-Z accent. He goes, that's the biggest player. No, I player loved it. I loved it. And uh, I'm like, yeah. So anyway, how did you get it? Yo, Jay, let's go. So they go up and they leave. Slams the door, right? I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck just happened there, right? Oh man, so I get my get my dictaphone, I turn it off and put it in my bag and put my rucksack on and I walk out. I'm going down the stairs and I put, hand my little security pass in and I walk through the door. And then waiting outside is the limo, is this black limo. All the windows are up, apart from one at the back that's up a tight, that's down a tiny bit. And it's Jay-Z and he looks at me, our eyes meet, the window goes up and they just race off. <laughs> and there I'm just standing there and like hip hop Napoleon Dynamite. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So they, that that was the kind of shit that I was doing in the '90s. Uh, well, look, listen, Jag, we're uh, we're about out of time, man. But oh, well, um, sorry, man, we're going on. No, no, it's all good. But listen. Um, uh, I'd love to get you on for a part two, mate, because obviously you've got loads of shit to say. So uh, if you're up for it, let's do it. Oh, I'd love that, man. Thank you. Uh, where can we check out your um, your podcast uh, in all the usual places, right? Yeah, that's right. Mixcloud as well. iTunes, all, the, yeah. all of it. Wicked. And uh, you've got a clothing line as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Nope23. It's my T-shirt label. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah check it out. Nope23.com. Get Wicked. yourself hip-hop uh, weirdness. Jag, mate, it's been an absolute honour to chat to you today. Oh, um, thank same. you for breaking breaking your silence to, um, oh, to yeah, come and chat to us. Yeah, it all had to come uh, out, didn't it? It came out like some diarrhoea, but it came out anyway. That was wicked. Thank you, man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 